You are listening to the Life Point Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest missionary, Barb Van Wyck. For more information about other Life Point Church resources, please visit www.livethemessage.org. Uh, I've been pastor since May 1, and over the last six months I've been really praying, God, what is our what is our role and what you're doing globally? How do we, how do we engage with your heart uh, across the nations? And really wanting to be strategic and, and prayerful about it. And so I've yet to schedule a foreign missionary until this morning. So this morning you get to hear from our very first time uh, hosting a, a world missionary. And I just started with the best. Bob and Barb Van Wyk. Um, I've, I've heard them minister a number of years ago here at this church, and I have a great respect for the work they're doing in the nation of Botswana, one of the most sparsely populated nations in the world. They are there because God's heart is in these remote places, and I have just a lot of respect for the work that they're doing. So Barb is here this morning. Her husband is actually in Burlington, Iowa, because that's what they do. Whatever it takes for the gospel, they're both ministering in different churches this morning. Um, and I'm actually going to introduce Cameron, their son. He's going to actually give a quick update on their work in Botswana. Come on up, Cameron. That's good. You can clap for that. Yeah. I greet you in the mighty name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. My name is Cameron Van Wyk. I am 15 years old, and currently I am in North Polk High School. Although overseas, I go to boarding school in Kenya. The school I go to is called RVA, stands for Rift Valley Academy. The school has about 500 students right now and has been in existence for over 100 years. Um, if you look at the picture, on the far left is my lovely sister, Stephanie. She is 19, yeah, and uh, <laughs> happens to the best of us. Um, she is down in Texas now at SAGU, Southeastern, Southwestern Assemblies of God University, and she is getting her English major, basically useless. Um, <laughs> And she's loving it. <laughs> and then there's, uh, there's my brother, the big guy. He is in Missouri right now at Evangel University. A year and a half ago, maybe a year, he got his degree in environmental science. But then shortly after, he realized he did not want his degree in that, or didn't want him to go into that profession. And so now he is finishing up prerequisites for med school. And then there's my parents, and they've been married for 27 years. That's pretty much it. Uh, we live in the family, what? We live in the country of Botswana, in the capital city of Habarone or Gabs. We, uh, what we do is we go into the primary schools, and we will have a 10-minute assembly We'll get all the students, and we will teach them a Bible story and teach them how to apply it to their lives. Along with that, we do kids' crusades, mainly when we have teams come over because it takes a lot of hands. <laughs> Ways you can connect with us is out on the table, we have prayer cards. I would highly recommend you pick up one of those. 
We also have the AGMD app where you can find us and find our site. There you will find newsletters, Facebook, etc. Photos of us, all that. Thank you. Thanks, Cam. You did a great job, eh? Honestly, I hate to have to follow that, but you know, I'll do my best. We have to dash out right after I finish speaking this morning because he's in the fall play at North Polk High, North Polk High School, and he has to be there by 12:15. Um, so I got to dash right away and get him up there. But we're going to come back this week, spend time with your pastor and, and his wife, and I'm going to bring more prayer cards. So if you stop to get a prayer card and they're out, don't worry. You can pick one up next week, okay? We have plenty for everyone. Well, at least by next week, there will be plenty for everyone. I want to give a shout out. I want to honor my mom and my bonus dad who are here this morning with us. Russ and Audrey Vanderhoff. They're from Spencer, Iowa. And, you know, no matter how old a girl gets, it's always a blessing to have the blessing of your parents. So thank you so much for your love and support. They help us out in so many ways. When we're overseas, they're our home base. So anytime you get a newsletter, know that Mama and Daddy put that together for you. Amen. Well, I have a confession. You know from what Cameron just shared that our primary focus in Botswana is reaching children. And we're passionate, so passionate for children to experience God and to enjoy his presence. But it hasn't always been that way for me. I'm just being honest. You see, our first term in Botswana was from 2010 to 2012. Within three months of being in Botswana, we were asked to pastor a national church. Ooh, didn't see that coming. God has a way of doing that. And we, uh, we, we said yes because we'd already had a burden on our heart to pastor a church. And so we knew it was him. And we stepped in front. They said, you know, there's 250 people still in the church. The pastors left, took most of the leaders with them, but there's still 250 people. That's why we need you to go pastor it because we don't have a national pastor ready. Okay. So we stepped up in front of that congregation. There were 250 people there. 200 of them were under the age of 12. Mm-hmm, exactly. It was our responsibility to pastor these young lives. So what we began to do is train Sunday school teachers. You have to have leaders to do the work of the ministry. And after, so after we did that for 18 months, they brought in a national pastor that was assigned to the church. And, and what we found was our calendar, our weekends, filled up with training seminars in villages because word had gotten out that we trained people to work with boys and girls. And the pastors were desperate because, you know what, with 41%, that's two out of every five people on the African continent today, they are under the age of 15. Yeah. By 2030, they're telling us that half of the continent will be under the age of 15. So raising up an army of people who know how to minister to them is the heart of God. So people in the churches that we were ministering to, you know, God has people in every church who, who want to help children. They just don't know what to do. So they were gobbling up what we shared and putting it into use and enjoying the results of that. Um, 
we give them tools for capturing and holding children's attention. Because you know what? If you've ever worked with kids, you know if you don't have a plan for them, they will have a plan for you. Yeah, and that's what makes volunteers go running out the back door because they don't know what to do. Well, after we were doing that, right at the end of that first term, another opportunity presented itself. We were invited by a village pastor to observe him in action at a local primary school. Hmm. My husband was a teacher, primary school teacher, for the first 20 years of his life. So that's right in his alley, right, right in his wheelhouse. We wanted to see what they did in primary schools. So he had been, this pastor, Pastor Moyo, had been sought out by a desperate principal, school principal, because her school was the lowest performing academically of the 18 schools in the region, in the district. And she called Pastor Moyo one day and said, Pastor, I don't know what to do. Would you just come and talk to these kids and pray for them? He said, absolutely, I'll be there. So he went, Pastor Moyo went for a few weeks, talked to the kids, encouraged them to do their best, prayed over them peace of God, shalom of God, the hope of God. You know, when they wrote that exam, they are, every year in November, they write exams, and then those scores are ranked nationally. That school came out number one. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm talking about. Five other principals called him. Pastor, can you come to our school? <laughs> yeah. And he said, absolutely. So pretty soon, he and his family were doing six, six schools in that village. And those six schools went to the top academically. Presence of Jesus in lives makes a difference, no matter what age. And it doesn't just make a difference in our lives in church. It makes a difference in our lives wherever we are at, whether we're students or we're in the workplace, whether we're at home, whether we're in our neighborhoods. It makes a difference. It changes everything. So... It was obvious to us, if we didn't already know it, that the word of God has the power to change and transform lives, even in ways that secular authorities were noticing, because there are 803 primary schools in Botswana right now serving about 750,000 children, because it is sparsely populated, as Drew said. That's about a third of the population. And God gave us a vision to establish weekly ministry on every primary school campus in Botswana. And that's largely what we devoted our second term on the field to. That was 2014 to 2017. We serve in four-year increments. First term was three years, and after that, all the terms are four years. So one day late in 2012, as we were coming to the end of that first term, I was praying. And I was contemplating the future of my ministry now that our kids are nearly grown. We'll be headed back to the field with just Cameron, but really we don't even get to have him because he's at boarding school. Hey, now, he's in boarding school three months, and I only get him for one month, three months, one month. So we're basically empty nesters, so my season is changing, and I'm, I'm praying to the Lord about this and saying, you know, we, here we found ourselves immersed in children's ministry, and yet, honestly, church, I wasn't really convinced this was a viable use of my time, of my talent that God has given and my energy. I, I asked the Lord, I was saying, wouldn't the kingdom be better served if, if I focused on ministry to adults? Wouldn't children's ministry guys seem to me to be a lesser calling? Something that you do at entry level and then you, you, know, you move to greater and greater areas of influence. I was just sharing my heart with the Lord. And I didn't receive an answer from him that day. I just humbly left it before him, trusting 
that he was going to show me the way and what his plan was. Now, over the past four years, I have discovered why I am passionate about strategic and intentional ministry for children. And that is what I want to share with you today in the balance of our time. Why? Why children? There once was a village high up in the Alps that straddled the banks of a beautiful stream. The water was clear like crystal. The stream was fed by springs that were old as the earth and deep as the sea. Children laughed and played on those riverbanks. Swans and geese swam in it. You could see the rocks and the sand and the rainbow trout that swarmed in the bottom of the creek bed. High up in the hills, far beyond anyone's sight, there lived an old man. He was the keeper of the springs. He was hired so long ago that no one could even remember a time when he wasn't there. And what he would do is travel from spring to spring, clearing out the trees and the fallen branches and the debris that might pollute the water. But his work was largely unseen. In fact, entirely unseen. Well, one year the city council decided that they had better things to do with their money. After all, no one supervised the old man anyways. You know, they had... Um, roads to repair, taxes to collect, services to provide. They could no longer be giving money to an unseen stream keeper. It seemed a luxury they could no longer afford. And so the old man left his post. Well, high up in the mountains, the springs went untended. The twigs, the branches, and worse, fell into the springs and muddied the waters. Mud and silt compacted the stream bed. Farm waste turned parts of the stream into stagnant bogs. But for a time, nobody noticed. But after a while, people began to notice that water didn't look quite the same. In fact, it was looking a little brackish. The, the swans swam away. There, there was no longer any crisp scent that drew the children to play on its banks. Many people in the town began to become ill. Everyone noticed the loss of sparkling beauty that used to flow between the banks of that stream that fed their village. City council reconvened. They found some money. They rehired the old man. After yet another time, the springs were cleaned. The water was pure. The swans flew back. The children were drawn to the crisp scent and began to play again on the banks. Illness was replaced by health, and the village came back to life. Because the life of the village depended on that stream, and the stream depended on the keeper. I want to say that again. The life of the village depended on the stream, and the stream depended on the keeper. The life of a village depends on the health of the stream. So whether in, your Amer in America or in our context in Botswana, the generation of children coming up is the stream, the future of the nation. 
Those of us who are born again and spirit-filled believers are the keepers of the stream. If in accordance with God's mandate found in Deuteronomy chapter 6, we impart the wisdom and ways of God to the children, then life and blessing and prosperity are going to flow into the next generation and the next generation as the keepers of the stream keep doing their job. If we don't, we'll be contaminated by a worldview and a culture that is hostile and contrary to the Judeo-Christian way of life. That is the foundation of all blessing. We're talking about the future leaders of homes, the leaders of communities, schools, and governments. The stream has to be kept healthy. So why reach children? Why invest our time and our talent and our treasure? I want to share four reasons with you. Four reasons why. The first one, guys, is obedience to the Word of God. Obedience to the Word of God. In Old and New Testaments, the Bible is replete with the admonitions to take seriously the responsibility to minister to kids. God says, impress them. Impress them the ways of the Lord on your children. Train up a child in the way he should go. Remember God. I love this one in Judges. Remember God before the days of trouble come. Because young people can only remember the ways of God in the days of trouble, in the days of temptation, if they are taught his ways as children. Jesus, the living word, the word made flesh. He couldn't have been more clear on his heart for the little ones. His words to us, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Children certainly qualify as all creation, amen? In Matthew 16, Jesus says, make disciples of all nations. In most of the nations of the world, children are half the population. It's our responsibility to be intentional. How are we going to make disciples out of these young ones? We just saw a quote up on the screen from JFK. He said, you know, the thing is with our veterans, it's not to utter words of appreciation, but to live by them and follow through. Let our actions reflect what our words say. Same thing here with children. Jesus' ways reflected what his words said. He, he was consistent. When adults wanted to shoo the children away, Jesus said, no, 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 let them come to me. At another time, the disciples wanted to know who was the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. What did Jesus do? He stood a child in the, in the middle of them. You see, God enjoys children. He enjoys their nature, their personality, their sincerity, their naivete, their vulnerability. That little Dominique, she's just a little treasure. I was meeting her. She was talking to everybody out there. I don't think there's anyone she doesn't know. <laughs> but Jesus also followed up his, his words and his ways with a warning to those if we, if we miss it. If we fail to prioritize the needs of children in the 18th chapter of Matthew, while that children is still standing among them, Jesus says, if we as parents and counselors to the young lose our interest in and our sensitivity to children, we've shirked one of the most important duties given to us by God. And in the Old Testament, we read of the tragic result of doing that very thing. Because the Israelites failed to pass God's word on to the children, there grew up a generation who did not know Lord. And when that happens, it's all downhill. So out of obedience to the word of God and his commandment to go, when we return to Botswana 
in January of 2014 for our second term, we set about fulfilling that vision that he'd planted in our hearts in 2012 to get a primary school ministry on every campus. Oh man, God's favor has been upon us from the beginning without really looking for them, but simply sharing our passion. God brought these guys in hard hats to us. There's Bob and I and the other ones. There's four others with hard hats. We didn't even go looking. God, we need some strategic national leaders. We just began to talk about this passion, this dream we had to get ministry on primary school campuses. And these high-capacity leaders there in the capital city said, we want to be a part of that. <laughs> now, the, the mission, what we wanted to do was really without form and void. We knew why God had put this passion on our hearts to do it. We knew the why. We didn't know how, and we didn't know exactly what. But we know the one who called us, and those he calls, he equips. Never miss it. He always does. And Where do we start? We have it on pretty good authority that a good place to start any ministry is right in Jerusalem, right in Ames, right in Gabs, where we were living, and so Pastor Moyo, the guy up in the north that we'd been exposed to this ministry from, he knew someone who knew someone. And pretty soon, we were on the campus of Kosi Kosi Primary. It's about a mile from our house. And by the way, Kosi Kosi just happens to mean kings, which I think is so beautiful. The Lord started this ministry at the king's school. Isn't that cool? Yeah. <laughs> Now, that principal knew someone else, and pretty soon we were on another campus, and then another campus. We had three. Then there was a village. Um, with, there was the president of the Bible school, which is right across the street from our house. He pastors a church in a village 45 minutes from us, and there's two primary schools out there. And he took us to introduce us to both. One of them was an easy and yes, great, do it. The other one, <clears throat> that was a little different story. <laughs> When my husband and Pastor Pediso sat across from the principal at Sholo Primary, there was a chill in the room. And it wasn't just because it was July, the winter season, there in Botswana. We have two months of winter, June and July. Come and see us. <laughs> well, it's not so hot because it can get down to freezing at night, but by noon it's 75. Yeah, it's good. It's all good. So there was that chill in that room. The reception was cold. The look on that principal's face was hard. Bob shared his proposal. I want to come to the school. I want 10 minutes a week. That's all I'm asking for, 10 minutes a week. I want to share a Bible story with the children. I want to apply it to their lives to help them live morally and have good character. And I just want to pray over them. He was sure by the look on her face that she was going to kick him out and say, we do not need you. You could have knocked him over with a feather when she said, yes, we need this. Can you start next Friday? That's exactly how she said it. No expression whatsoever. <laughs> so for the next 10 weeks, next 10 weeks, about two and a half months, Bob made that hectic drive through the city traffic, out through the bush, 45 minutes, winding his way on the dirt village roads, and during that time, he would pray for God to use him and bless the children in the school. But nothing happened. As he presented the word week after week, it was like it was bouncing off the, the, the school buildings that were behind the kiddos. The kids were being rowdy, not so well attentive. The teachers were in the back with their arms crossed thinking, Preacher man, you need to get on down the road. 
But he was just faithful to do what God said do, obedience to the word. God put this vision in our heart. Ten minutes a week? What can you do with ten minutes a week? (laughs) I don't know, but we're going to see. Okay? So he could see signs of life in the four other schools where we were on. There was a better reception there. But this one is hard as a rock. We kept doing it because we know that the word of God is powerful. It never returns void. And it does accomplish the purpose for which it's sent. And that's the first reason why we minister to children, not because necessarily what we're going to see right away, but out of obedience, obedience to the word of God. Second reason, there are widespread social ills affecting children. That's how they word it in Botswana, so that's how I wanted to word it for you. Everyone recognizes the widespread social ills. From the first time that we began pastoring in that village church up in northern Botswana, we realized it is not easy to be a child in Botswana. School heads nationwide are crying over the devastating effects on the primary school kiddos. Children arrive at the school to learn, but you know what? When they get there, the deck is largely stacked against them. Most of them are coming from poverty. It's prevalent. Their basic needs of food, clothing, and shelter are scarce, and, the, and nobody really takes those things for granted. Here in America, a lot of times we do take those basics for granted. Not there. In a culture with 75% unemployment, there's a lot of people with too much time on their hands, so they can buy the local brew really cheap, and alcoholism is a big, big problem. This adversely affects the kids because already scarce resources are squandered on liquor while their needs go unmet, and drunk adults are absolutely no use to kids who are trying to study and need help with homework and need to understand how to, how to build their lives for success. In addition... Botswana follows the pattern of of nations worldwide disintegrating families. 76% of the kids born to single moms, most of them are shipped off to grandmas in the village where cousins and uncles and neighbors prey on the little girls. It's so common it breaks your heart. And it's not just naughty men and boys who are the predators, the stakes get even higher when the witch doctors go after the most vulnerable. Lure the kids into their lair with promises of power and resources, and then use those kids in ways too vile to even mention to accomplish their wicked ends. Whereas in the past in Botswana, our leaders tell us it didn't used to be this way. Primary school kids used to be sheltered from those things, but not anymore. The breakdown, it's too far, too fast. It's affecting the youngest among them. Adding to the deficits of home, once they get to school, they manage to get their uniform on and and stumble their way the mile to whatever it is they walk to school. At school, the schools are ill-equipped. They're not ready to handle them. There's overcrowded classrooms, high student-to-teacher ratios. You might have 40 students, one teacher. No one helping them. Scant resources. There's no textbooks. Sometimes they have, they have photocopiers on the premises, but they break down, and it can take months to get them fixed. So there's really no way for the teachers to have tools to help them to do, to educate these kiddos and, and to help equip them for academic success. I'm telling you all of that just to paint this picture of the widespread social ills. 
The Botswana government has recognized the spiritual formation is a critical holistic component in caring for the multitudes of orphaned and destitute children. In fact, they reached out to the churches and said, will you please help us? Um, we need you to help us fulfill our vision for 2016. That was a 10-year plan they had in place. Churches were silent. You know what? At best, it's just because they didn't know what to do. And at worst, it's because they don't really see any value in investing in young lives. There's no immediate return on that investment. You have to wait. They don't realize childhood is the best time to plant those seeds of faith. Why do we reach children? Because of obedience to the word, because of those widespread social ills, and because of the window of opportunity that childhood is. Research tells us that there's a, a window in a child's life like no other. George Barna finds that window wide open during the primary school age up, up to primary school age up to about the age of 13. It's during those formative years when children develop their decision-making perspectives and patterns. Their behavior reflects what they believe, and what they believe is dependent on the voices speaking into their lives. So with the church's absence in that role, it's not surprising there's devastating social ills that are affecting these kids. In fact, they're predictable and inevitable, given the children's worldviews that develop because there's no one speaking into that. You know the importance of reaching kids. The Catholic Church says, give me a child till they're seven. After that, you can have them. They'll always be Catholic. ISIS begins to train caliphate cubs at the age of five. They start letting them help the soldiers carry their things, tend to the needs, and then they begin to train them in the ways of the warfare and showing them exactly how to do those things that, that um, ISIS does. Communists do the same thing as they describe, as they said, communists said, said a child's heart is like wax. It can be formed at, at will by those who know what they're doing. See, the enemy plays for keeps, and we have to too. Consider this lump of clay I brought here today. It's, it's impressive. It's moldable. This is the child's heart. You know in Deuteronomy chapter 6 where the Lord says, impress my ways on the children, impress them? That word impress in the Hebrew actually means repetition. Tell the kids and keep telling them. You will impress on them what they need to do by telling them and telling them and walking with them and being there and his image will be stamped on their lives and it will hold. Cameron illustrated this to me beautifully this morning. I was having him tell me what he thought he'd say when he got up here and he said, I hadn't actually ever heard him say that before. <laughs> I say it. That's how I always greet the church when I get up. It's Setswana. For I greet you in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ, but he just rattled it off. And I said, how did you know that? He says, I listened to you. Oh. I said, that's perfect, Cam. That's impressing the ways of the Lord on the children. You see, this is the window of opportunity that we have. And I'm hurrying through. Let me just see. Because I know we're going to be done here very, very shortly. I'll just say, I think I'm going to leave that there. You understand there's this window of opportunity that only is available to us in childhood. 
But if we obey the word and if we understand that there are widespread social ills affecting children, not just in Botswana, here in America, even think of Ames, guys. Think of Iowa. I know you are. I love what you're doing for kids. I'm speaking to the choir here. But I just, if we understand those things and if we, and if we know that there is um, a window of opportunity to get the message in there, then the wonder of transformation if you would have traveled to the Botswana in the 1960s, you would have seen nothing but bush and villages connected by dirt roads. There was virtually no infrastructure at all to support progress. In fact, there was one mile of paved road, paved road when Botswana became a nation in 1966. Today, there's, um, all the major cities and villages are paved by decent roads. Now, at the same time as Botswana's independence from Britain, diamonds were discovered. Uh huh. They became a nation 51 years ago, and at that time is when they discovered this gem right here. 22% of the world's diamonds today come out of Botswana. This gem right here has transformed the nation economically. But as you can tell from what I've described, Botswana is far from a paradise. That's because economic transformation doesn't do anything for the heart or the soul. Sometimes it does exactly the opposite. What they need is a spiritual transformation. What God has shown us is that the children are the true treasure. Even in it, you know how it starts out as coal? The diamond is one of my favorite examples of transformation because it's so drastic. It starts out as a piece of coal whose highest end is to maybe what? Be burned as fuel and then it's gone. But through intense heat and pressure, it becomes a diamond. This is what I see in kids. It's actually what I see in all of us, but especially in children. I want you to notice because Jesus took the intense heat and pressure for each one of us. And when we put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are transformed from something that is essentially useless and ordinary, a piece of charcoal, into a beautiful diamond that has inherent potential, unlimited inherent potential. Did you know you probably saw this in the news last year, 2016, the second largest diamond ever to come out of the earth came out of Botswana? Uh-huh. In rough form, it was just smaller than a tennis ball. It sold at auction a few months ago for $63 million. A rock this big. Once it gets into the hands of the master craftsman, it's cut, shaped, and polished. Its value even skyrockets beyond that. This is what is in the children. Every single one of them comes to know the Lord Jesus Christ. So that is why we began to, the ministry began to take shape, and our national leaders caught this vision. They said, let's call it GEMS, Gospel Evangelistic Ministry in the Schools, because the children are the treasure. Well, I was telling you that story about Bob out in the village. I'm going to finish it up right now. We're going to close. After 10 weeks of assemblies out there with it being like preaching to rocks, <laughs> Bob felt nothing. He saw even less as he observed the staff and the students. But this particular week, week number 10, as he drove out there, he was praying, and the Holy Spirit impressed on his heart. He said, pray for a manifestation of my presence. So Bob began to pray into that. Oh, God, just let him sense you. Let him, let him know you're there. Because, you see, Botswana is classified as a Christian nation. The gospel has been there for 200 years, but it's never made a significant impact into the culture because of the witchcraft and all of that that's prevalent. And so 
The children always, they have three assemblies a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 10 minutes each time, and they always start. They might recite the Lord's Prayer. They might recite the 23rd Psalm, and they'll sing a little uh, a Christian song. They do it all by rote. They have no idea what they're singing about. So that's what Bob was praying into. God, when they, when they talk to you this morning in prayer, let them know you're there. Let them know you're listening. So when he arrived on the campus, he heard them singing, and they're all lined up like this. They start at the kindergartners on one end, and all the way down at the other end is the sixth graders, and there's about 900 of them standing there in front of us, and they're all lined up, and they're singing, cast your burdens on Jesus, for he cares for you. Do you know it? Yeah, I've heard that song too. They were singing it, and then the chorus of it goes, higher, 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 lift Jesus higher. And they go, lower, 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 stomp Satan, lower, lower, higher, 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 higher. Do you know what? As they started singing, lift Jesus higher, higher, the presence of God came down in that place. Then they started stomping Satan lower, and the more they stomped, the harder they stomped. And that dust that they're standing in began to rise. It filled the place. It filled the atmosphere so much so Bob could not see from one end to the other. There was so much dust. The kids were shouting, higher, higher. Lift Jesus, higher, higher. Then, back here, the teachers are standing back here. The teachers start to jump. Higher, higher. Lift Jesus, higher. Some of them got so excited. My African friends that are here this morning know, in Africa we dance uh-huh. And those teachers came up front, and they started dancing in front of the students, higher, higher, lift Jesus, higher. Oh, but it gets even better. Madam Stoneface breaks out into a smile, starts jumping higher, higher, lift Jesus, higher. Woo! Guys, transformation came to that school that day, and it's never been the same since. Never been the same. It's been three years, and there is a joy on that campus like no other. They held a reception for us in June just before we came back here to America. They had a couple teachers get up to speak to say what this, this GEMS program has meant to them. They said, Pastor, before you came, we were in Egypt. We were in slavery. We were in bondage. We didn't know what to do or how to follow God. We had no idea what it meant to be a Christian. But now, we're in the promised land. Yeah. They share stories with us of, of teachers and students who've been healed as we've just prayed the shalom of God over the student body. Their, their school was recognized by the government this year for academic success. The presence of God. The power of transformation in any heart, in any life, brings hope, it brings joy, and there is no junior Holy Spirit. It falls on the young to the old alike. And that is why, guys, now, now I understand why God called us, why he said, Barb, will you focus these years of your ministry? Will you empower and equip the church in Africa to reach children? It's not a second calling. His calling is the highest calling. If you're called to be an engineer, then that is the highest calling. Do it with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Whatever you're called to do. But he said, for me, honey, 
that, that call, my call on your life, it's the highest. You don't have to worry about any of that. You just do what I've called you to do. And you guys equip people, equip the church to reach boys and girls and make a difference for his kingdom. I want to leave you with this image right here. This is the seed group that we've trained. They're all wearing shirts that say gems. They've all been trained. They've all given demonstrations to us of how they're going to present assembly to the schools. They're working on expanding into more schools right now. Just before we came home, can you believe the Department of Education sent a letter to all the school heads and said you need to have gems in your primary schools? Favor of God. The favor of God. We had no idea that was coming. We had no idea this is where God wanted us to go. But just out of obedience to the word, we stepped out. What can you do in 10 minutes a week? Doesn't seem like much, does it? God says, give me what you can. I'll take it and I'll use it. I'll multiply it for my glory and your good. Thank you so much for this opportunity to share. God bless you. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information about LifePoint Church, please visit www.livethemessage.org.